What a great time to be together this morning to worship. So glad you're all here today. We had a great time last night with John Mobley. It's been a big week. We had The Chosen on Tuesday night, a brand new roof on the whole church this past week while you guys were gone. So we're undercover well. And again, I'm just so glad that you are all here this morning. I also just want to welcome a row of ladies this morning, friends of Miana, those from, uh, from Anderson University, a whole row of students here. We're thankful that you guys are here today. What a great, got to represent um, our, one of our great schools, Anderson University, and we're so glad that you guys are here with us today. Well, to get started here, um, I'm going to take my phone, and um, normally we don't, you know, encourage using your phones in church except to take notes and, of course, read the Bible and all that good stuff. But I'm going to take a little selfie here this morning. So good, we got some house lights up. I'm going to do this in a cool way. I'm going to do, um, I'm going to do like a panoramic shot, and I want to see. Let's see if we can do this here. You guys, all good? You can be silly, crazy, whatever you want to do as the camera pans around to you. You guys, ready for this? Let me make sure I get it here. Are right, you ready? Ready? Okay. Wait, I forgot to smile. Oh well. <laughs> All right, let me see, let me see if that worked. This kind of this is going to be awesome, it's going to be awesome. What? It didn't work, oh, I must not have pushed the button. All right, let me try, let me try. This is old man syndrome right here, right, kids with, all right, let me try again. Okay, let's see, did I get, can you, can you tell, am I pushing the button there? Am I lined up? Okay, all right, all right, I'm going to smile this time, it was good, I didn't smile, so, okay. Did I touch it? Okay. All right, let's see here, let's see here. Did it do it? Oh, I think it did it. It did it. Yes, there we are. There we are. Oh, we have to post this on social. We'll get this out here. Awesome. You guys are great. A good-looking crew. Okay, so now, now that I got that out of the way. No, actually, um, isn't it amazing that selfies are such a big deal? What is it about selfies? Why do we want to be in the picture? Why do we want to be in the middle of the picture? I mean, how many of us take the camera and just the other way around, right? Which would be another way for me to take that picture. So let me, let me try that for a second. Maybe that's a little different. I didn't expect to do this, but let me see where is this photo. There we go. I'm going to go wide, real, real wide on this. I'm going to see if, you get all, if I can get you guys mostly all on there. Okay, ready? Smile. Okay, good. All right, got you all on there. But, but you see, we're in a world where we're focused so much on ourselves, on ourselves being in the middle. And it's not like that in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God challenges us from our me-centric world. And that's what we're going to talk about today in just a little bit. We're in the series called The Kingdom. And it's this, this series that's going to take us right into Easter, the season of Lent, the 40 days, not including weekends, all the way into Easter. And it's a season and a time for us to step back, to reflect, to learn, to grow, to put life in perspective, to focus our thoughts and our attention on Christ and what he did for us. And really to do some self-evaluation. And I hope you all got a journal. And if you didn't, you can grab one um, before you leave. A place to take notes for the message. A place for daily reflection. Group conversations. And it's really a time for us to lean into this kingdom. Because when Jesus came, he ushered in a new kingdom. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read over 50 times where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Or the kingdom of God. It's like this. And he's trying to say there's a different reality than the kingdom that you're used to. Than the world that you're living in. And this kingdom is different. It's backwards. It's upside down. It's not like what you would expect. And so in these weeks leading up to Easter, we want to look at this kingdom because we don't just want to like, know about it and understand it. That's important. We want to live in it. We want to live with these kingdom values. And so that's what we're going to do over these next couple of weeks. And each week we're looking at a different letter of the word kingdom going backwards, beginning with M. Last week we, be we, we began with more and less as a principle of the kingdom. And today we're going to look at the O, and so we're going to get into this looking at others. But we're going to get there in just a second. As we look at this me-centric culture, you guys understand when I say me-centric culture, like it's all about us. 
Do you know who started this trend, by the way? Burger King. Have it your way. You know how long that slogan's been around? Since the 1970s, 1974. Have it your way. Burger King's to blame. It was all up, up until that point, you just ate the burger the way it was given to you, right? You drive up, I'm going to have a burger, there's your burger. But now it's, it's about you. If you don't want pickles, if you don't want onions, it's going to be about you. It's your burger. And all throughout life now, we've understood it's about me. And we customize, we love to customize things in our culture, right? Our cell phone covers, our car colors, the interiors, right? Put all the pieces together. We don't want to just listen to any old radio, music on the radio. We want to pick only, I only want to hear songs that I like in the mood that I'm in, and I want it curated, curated just for me. I don't want to watch network television where they tell me what I need to watch. I want to have streaming services. I want to watch what I want, when I want, I want to put it together. Because as L'Oreal says... What is, what is, now I forgot. What does L'Oreal say? <laughs> I don't use it. <laughs> because you're worth it. Because you're worth it. Should have memorized that one better. <laughs> it's every man for himself. It's us in the middle. And all the focus is, is about me and my life. So this past um, weekend, but weekend before, was, was President's Day weekend. And the kids had off from school. And I was going to work out, and, and uh, my youngest daughter, Anaya, wanted to, um, wanted to come with me. She always wants to work out. Well, she didn't have school. And so I was like, all right, I'll bring you. I have a free, you know, I get a guest pass, and so I'll take you in with me, and we'll work out together. So we got up in the morning, and we went to the gym, and we get inside, and, and we go up to the front. And I was like, yeah, I'm checked in. I'm going to have my daughter today. I, I want to use my, my guest pass. And she's like, oh, your membership doesn't have a guest pass. I was like... Oh, I was like, I, I, thought I, I thought it has a guest pass. No, 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 that's the next, the next membership up. Um, but, you know, you can get her in today for $21.95 or something like that. And I was like, uh, I was like, oh, come on. I thought I had a guest pass, and I was trying to use all my, my charm and my technique. I mean, you know, trying to, trying to get her to, to let me in. And I'm saying, come on, it's just like one, it's just one time. I thought I had the membership. It's not, we're not going to be in here this long. She's off of school. She's like, no, like, because I want to lose, I can lose my job if I, you know, if I let people in and, and, and do that. I'm sorry, I can't do that. But you can pay $21.95. Uh, I'm like, no, I'm too cheap for that. Um, and so I was like, sorry, and, and I, I guess I was frustrated because usually I can convince people. I mean, it's, it's what I do. I'm a pastor. No, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the word of God that does that. And so, and so I kind of surprised. I was like, she didn't do it. She wasn't going to budge. So I was like, sorry, and I, we're going we're gonna to go home. It's just, you know, it's probably not worth it to spend that money right now. So we went, we walked out the door, and then I had this great idea. A guy was walking in, and I asked him, I said, hey, do you have a guest pass with your membership? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, I do. And, um, and so I was like, do you mind if you take my daughter in as a guest? And he was like, yeah, no problem. So we turned around, we walked back in, and I'm like, got the solution. I rigged the system. I figured it out. The, the, the girl at the counter, the woman's counter, she was not happy. She just, she was like upset, like, what are you doing now? I was like, um, yeah, she's going to go as a guest for him. And she's like, kind of like just exasperated a little bit, but she's like, okay, fine. Like, then you'll have to fill out the paperwork and be like, you know, do the parent, um, you know, release and all that stuff. And, and it was starting to get confused, with, you know, a little cumbersome with which app and which guest. And finally, she just out of exasperation was like, just, just go. Just take her in. Just go. And she literally turned around and walked away. And, just, and, and you could tell she was not, she was not happy because she was worried about her job and her manager coming in. But she's like, just go. So I was like, yes. You know, I got in. And, um, and so we're, we're exercising. And we, so we go onto the stair climber because I'm getting ready to hike the canyon in a few months. We're doing this, the stair climber. And it just, I just didn't feel good. It just didn't feel good. It was one of these times where it was like, you know what? It was, it was just about me. 
Like I just totally ran over and bowled over this employee so that I could save 20 bucks and get my daughter in here. And it just didn't feel right. And I was confronted with the ugliness of a me-centric culture. It's about me. It wasn't about her. It wasn't about anyone else. I had to get what I needed that day, and it didn't matter how I figured it out. And I'm I'm reminded of the ugliness of that me-centric culture. And when we walk in this world and we go through life and say, it's all about me, I'm the most important. You know, you're on your way to, to work and everybody's in traffic. Why is everybody else out here slowing me from getting to work? We forget. They're trying to get somewhere too, right? Why are we in line at the grocery store and frustrated that the line's long because they don't understand my schedule and my busyness? We forget other people are busy. Other people have things they need to get to where they need to be. And so we put ourselves first, and it's really the airline principle of securing your own mask, right? Right? In case of emergency, plane's going down, take care of yourself first. Now, it might make sense in an emergency so that you can help others, but we maybe wrongly apply that principle to the rest of our lives. And we say, hey, it's about me. i got to put myself first. And what begins to happen is we look at others, we get into a mode of comparison. Sometimes we just try to see, am I better than somebody else? Am I more in the center? Look at me, more likes, more follows. Here's my life curated on on social media. It's about me. This is my page. (laughs) This is who I am. Come check it out. But here's the problem, right? A life focused on self eventually leaves you by yourself. A life focused on yourself eventually leaves you by yourself, and that's not how we were created in the kingdom of God. That is not what the kingdom of God looks like. And so today, I want to talk about, in the second part, being others-centric. Instead of being me-centric, how can I be others-centric? Now, last week, we began already looking at this idea of the kingdom of God and understanding that it's not our kingdom that comes first, but whose? God's kingdom, right? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else. So we put God and his kingdom in the first place, then the other things fall into place. And so we look at that and we see that and we, we seek that kingdom. And we looked, at, we looked at John the Baptist and the more and less principle. He said, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. How have we been doing at that this week? Putting God in the first place, letting the light shine on him versus on us. He must become greater I must become less and less. And so here's the the good news, right? If God's first in the kingdom, we've got that, at least we get second place, right? There's God, and then there's us, and then there's everyone else. (laughs) Yes, you guys know that's obviously wrong. Thank you. Very, very obvious. I know, too obvious. But Jesus himself said in Matthew, right, he said, what is the, the whole sum of the law and the prophets? Everything summed up. The greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love God, yes. And then second place, love others as yourself, right? Love others. Love God, love others, then us. This is the upside-down kingdom. This is not how it is in the kingdoms of this world. This is not how it is in the kingdom and the culture that we live in. But in the kingdom of God, it's like this. And Jesus himself modeled this. He, he modeled this when he was, was in agony in that last week, going, knowing his journey was going to the cross. His prayer was, not my will, but yours be done. God, it's not what I want. It's, God, I'm going to put you first. I want to do what you've called me to do. And then he goes to the cross and puts himself in the lowest possible place, giving up his life for us, putting us before himself. God, others, ourselves. Jesus models this himself. So how do we live in this upside-down kingdom? 
And how can we help others? Our tagline for the series is encounter the unexpected. We don't only just want to encounter the unexpected kingdom, we want others to encounter that unexpected kingdom through us, where they look at us and say, why do you live in a different way? Why do you approach life differently? So today, I want to look at that a little further as, as focusing on others, and I want to begin by looking a little bit at the Sermon on, on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, and we saw a little bit of this in the Chosen episode that we watched this last week here. We won't have it again this week, but the week after on, on uh, Tuesday night again, another episode. And when I see the, when the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had a crowd that followed him, and he was beginning, he, he was going to teach. And I'm thinking about who was in the audience, who was in the crowd, hundreds, thousands that came to listen to him, people gathering everywhere, and the majority of the people were common people, everyday people. But you can bet that in, a, in the Roman Empire, when a crowd like that gathered, you know who else was there? The Romans. <laughs> the Romans weren't just going to let crowds of people like this gather. They wanted to know what was going on, what was being taught, who's talking about another kingdom <laughs> other than Rome? Like, what is this, what's going on here? They wanted to listen, and I'm sure those with power were there. You know who else was there? It was the, the Pharisees, the leaders of the religious law, because they're hearing somebody else who's speaking things counter to what they have heard, different from what they've heard. And so they were looking on, and they had religious authority and leadership in that culture. There was the wealthy, there was the poor, but the majority of the people were common people. And life was not easy during that time. Whether they were, whether they were you know, farmers working the fields, whether they were you know, leather workers or blacksmiths, or whether they were uh, fishermen and you know, tax collectors, right? they were trying to do their work every, each and every day. And under Roman authority, many of their lands would maybe have been taken. If they weren't able to pay their high taxes, they were then basically like indentured servants and slaves and had to pay that back. Life was rough. <clears throat> life was tough. Religion of the day didn't really help make life easier. There was a lot of burdens that came with being uh, in, in the religious uh, culture of that day with the sacrifices and trying to do things right. It was, it, was, it was a difficult time. And into this setting is what Jesus begins to speak into. He's speaking to them because they felt like they were bowled over. They felt like they were the ones that were taken advantage of and helpless. And they were the bottom rung of the social ladder. So here's what Jesus tells them. As he begins, he's going to tell them who this kingdom of heaven is for, and it's not what they expect. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, as we, maybe in the church, if you've been around for a while, come to know it as the Beatitudes. But it begins like this. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around, and he began to teach them. This is what he said. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He's introducing this kingdom of heaven and who belongs and who comes, and he gives us great news, this good news. The kingdom of heaven, it's for you. This kingdom is for you. Unlike the kingdom that you see around you where you're constantly being kept out of this kingdom, this kingdom is for you. God wants you to comfort you. God sees you. God notices you. God wants you to be a part of what he's doing. He cares for you. He wants your hunger and your thirst to be satisfied. 
He wants justice to come for you where you feel injustice, where you're persecuted. He comes alongside of you. He calls you his child, and he gives you an inheritance. You have an inheritance in this kingdom. That's how much this king wants you to be a part of this kingdom. You are welcome in this kingdom. And I wonder if sometimes as we think about the kingdom of God, or maybe if you're exploring faith, or you have questions, or you're wondering about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and you go, I don't know if that's for me. I've had many people come to church at different times and, and feel unworthy, like they can't be here. I've had people say, you know, if lightning would strike, you know, I gotta watch out, I'm in church, you know. God's, gonna, God's got it out for me. And I think we have a, an image and a vision of the kingdom of God that we're out and not in. But God is welcoming us in, and he's saying this kingdom is different. All are welcome here into this kingdom. And the irony of this kingdom is that, you know who it's actually harder for to enter this kingdom? The powerful, the wealthy, those with status. He's not saying that you're kept out of the kingdom. He's saying it's going to be harder for you because of the blocks and the roadblocks for you to enter this kingdom. But those who've had almost everything stripped away, who come with an open heart and open hand and out of desperation, the kingdom of heaven is open and he flings open these doors who, to people who have been locked out, for people who feel like the, the, the door has been slammed in their face. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is for you. I want to give you three principles this morning about the kingdom of God and how things look different in this upside down kingdom when it comes to others and when it comes to love. So in God's kingdom, the first principle is this, the in circle is likely wider and more open than we can imagine. The in circle is likely wider and more open than we can imagine. We're really good as human beings in defining who's in and who's out. It's just what our world and our culture is like. Like, you know, even at the, at the gym, right? You can have access to this, but if you want the other membership, you got to up it to this, and then you have more access. We feel that way, like you can be on this team, but not on that team. If you have this status, you can be invited into these parties, but not onto this. These are the requirements. These are the expectations, and only a few can, can, can meet these requirements. And so we limit people, and we, we tell people who are in and who's out, and in the, in the church and as Christians, it's so easy for us, too, to say who's in and who's out. And we look around to others, and we begin to judge, and we say, oh, you're not good enough. You can't be in. You got to do it this way. Oh, our church has these specific rules, and then, but that church down the street, they have different rules, and that denomination has these different rules, right? We have to play by different rules and different expectations, and, and we have beliefs and understandings, and I'm not criticizing those, but we begin to define these circles of who is in and who is out. And what happens is, in our culture, as the world is looking onto us, we're, I guess I want to ask you this question Are we known more for who and what we are against? And for what we are for? When people look at followers of Jesus today, what do they see? Sadly, Christians have an image problem. And research has borne this out. What's the perception of Christians? What's the perception of evangelicals, whether you officially adopt that term or not, but evangelicals, those that proclaim the good news? It's become a loaded term, hasn't it? But in many ways, there's research that has looked at what do people who don't follow Jesus, how do they perceive followers of Christ? Well, how do these words strike you? Judgmental, smug, and have this idea of we have it all figured out, and we look at others, you know, with superiority and moral, moral uppityness, <laughs> and we're judgment, judgmental, hypocritical. You say something, but you guys don't live it. You preach a good talk, but is it lived out that way? Anti-gay, anti-this, anti-that, anti-people. You, who are you against? Closed-minded. 
She's not willing to listen, not willing to take on new information. What about science? What about those kinds of things? You guys are just closed-minded, proselytizing. You're insincere. All you care about is, is converting other people, but do you really care about what's going on in their lives and who they are? What's your motive? What's your goal? Too politically entangled. Why are Christians so political? Why are they so passionate about politics more than even their own faith? And this has been borne out by studies. And whether we agree with this, whether we think it's fair or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is often how many people perceive followers of Jesus. But that sounds a lot different to me than what we read with Jesus in the Beatitudes, isn't it? That sounds so different to me. We're not blessing people. We're condemning people. We're saying, you're out, and you're not in, but Jesus had his way of blessing people. And, and here's the thing, though. The, now, don't confuse this with we can't, you know, that we can't have our beliefs, and we don't have our foundations, and we don't have the things that we stand on, but it's how do we engage with other people? How do we see them? And we go out, and we condemn all these things. This is bad, and this is bad, and this is wrong, and you should vote this way, and you should vote that way, and you should live in this way. And we have these values. Yes, we should live them out, but we start by condemning others instead of beginning to bless and say, really, the kingdom of God is open to everyone. We already prejudge people that say, you're out of the kingdom. Where Jesus began to display and show, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, and I'm inviting you into it. And that there's a place and that you can come into this kingdom. Now, we may not respect their views or understand where they're coming from or, or, or buy into that, but we can listen with love. We can listen with respect. We can engage them and recognize these are lo people loved and created by God. A phrase that has kind of stuck with me that I saw, I think, somewhere on social media was, was this phrase. It says, we will never look into the eyes of a person God doesn't love. It seems obvious, but there's something about it because it reminded me, as I'm looking, as I'm talking to individuals, whether here at church, whether at the checkout, whether at the gym, even when I forget about it. <laughs> when we're in different places, I'm never looking at somebody, I'm never looking at a politician into their eyes, even on the TV screen, that is not a person that God doesn't love. And I have to be reminded of that. We need to remind ourselves of this, that Jesus' goal was to invite every last person into the kingdom. The invitation was broad, the invitation was wide. Now, it doesn't mean that there's an instant access to everyone, that there is a narrow gate Jesus talks about. That there's a way into the kingdom of heaven, but, but why are we closing the doors for people already? And already predetermining, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven because you don't live this way or you don't believe that. Well, of course they don't. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe God's word. Why are we holding them to those expectations instead of showing a different way? And beginning to model a way that says, out of love and respect and looking at each other and seeing them as people that God loves, who he's poured his life out for them. And God desires us to open the doors and to invite people in, not to minimize what he calls us to, but to not prejudge those that have not yet accepted the foundations of our faith or the foundation of the kingdom or don't even know what the kingdom of heaven is like. But we need to be those that live that out in a different way. And so the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is saying, you're blessed and you're invited and his kingdom of heaven is for you. The kingdom of heaven, the circle, the inner circle is likely wider than we can imagine. So Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount, a little far, further on, and he challenges the view of current culture with phrases like, you've heard it said, but I tell you. That's the pattern in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said this, and I tell you that. And he's basically saying, so what you've learned and what you've heard, 
I want you to think about it different. It looks different in the kingdom of God. And in relation to others, in relation to love, this driving value of love, Jesus says that's the driving value, but it's not the way you think. It's not how you think about love. And so we read about that here where Jesus taught Matthew 5, 43. You've heard it said, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yeah, that's, that's the way it was. But I say, love your enemies. We've heard this, love your enemies. But up until this point in time, I don't know if this has ever been said. In a culture where you think, no, it makes sense. Love your neighbors, love those you know, who are, are for our country and for our nation and for my beliefs and my values. But everyone else, hate them. Keep them out. Don't have anything to do with them. In and out. Love your neighbor, hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as the true children of your Father in heaven. And then he gives us this example. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. He's saying it's got to be different in the kingdom of God. People need to encounter the unexpected when they see you. And the second principle in God's kingdom is this. Love is generously shared not only with the deserving but the undeserving as well. See, in the normal kingdoms of this world, you give love to those who deserve it. They don't deserve it. I'm not giving love. In God's kingdom, no, no. You give love, yes, to those that deserve it, of course. We all do that. But in God's kingdom, it's different. Even those that don't deserve it. Love your enemy? Easy to say. It's hard to do. Even that boss that just rides you hard all the time, even that coworker that annoys you to no end, even that neighbor who, who's got their truck up on blocks and is playing loud music till the late hours of the night and doesn't cut their grass, even that guy, even my ex, even the school teacher that everyone hates, what about that backstabbing friend? What about that Marxist, leftist, woke, snowflake, tree-hugging, social justice warrior commie? What about that racist, fascist, MAGA, redneck, conspiracy theorist, gun nut? I gotta love them too? Hmm. Love them? <laughs> love draws people into the circle. Hate and indifference is what pushes them out. So how's that kind of love even possible? This upside-down love in the kingdom of God, that's not the way that we naturally respond. This is the third principle. Love is not just a reciprocal feeling, but a commanded action. Love is not just a reciprocal feeling, it's a commanded action. Look at John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. Here's Jesus. So now I'm giving you a new, what? Suggestion? A new encouragement? A new idea? I'm giving you a new commandment. Hmm. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. A commandment. Love is not just, do I feel it? Am I inclined because of the way the other is acting towards me that this is easy, this is a loving relationship here. No, even when I don't, it's a choice. 
It's something that I'm making a decision to do. And I don't know if this is biblical or if this is completely, you know, works. But for me, the way that I can help, that, that helps me is I say, I, I may not like you, but I love you. <laughs> we may not like everybody. We don't like everybody. Actually, matter, I mean, it's kind of weird to like your enemy, but you're called to love them. So how do you share that love? It's commanded. And the love, the, when, when we think about how can we do that, one way we have to understand it is we have to see through God's eyes the inherent value of every person, right? To look in the eyes of someone and realize they are loved by God. God loves them. God loves them. There's nobody that God on this earth doesn't see and doesn't love. They're all his children. We got to think in that way. We got to love in that way. We got to understand that the mission that God gave us to is to love others, to help draw them into the circle, to help them experience God's love. And it's the way that we break the cycle of violence and retaliation. And Jesus is this example. He says, as I have loved you, go and love others. And if we look at ourselves, Jesus has loved us in our sin, in our brokenness. Jesus has loved us in our rebellion. When we've walked away from him, when we said, I don't believe in you, God. When we said, God, I hate you. God looks with love on us, and he says, this is the love. It's commandment. It's just what we do. And then he says, love is our proof. Your love will be proof to the world. Love is our calling card. We ought to be living a different kind of love, a different kind of presence in the world around us. The principle here, too, is the deeper the love, the stronger the connection, the greater the spiritual influence. We wonder why we may not have influence in this world, why people are writing Christians off, why they're saying the things that we're doing. Is it maybe because we're not living out the love as we're called to love, to focus on others and put them first? It's what creates that connection and gives us that influence. Because ultimately, we want to help people experience God's love and not to push them away. So we look at these three principles again. In God's kingdom, the end circle is likely wider and more open than we can imagine. Love is generously shared, not only with the deserving, but the undeserving as well. And love is not just a reciprocal feeling, but a commanded action. I'm sorry I didn't make those simpler. They're kind of wordy, but that's what I think the principle says. So I have a question for us. When people interact with you, do they encounter the unexpected kingdom? Think about your conversations at work, at home, in public, at church, political conversations, do they kind of go, oh, I did not expect that. <laughs> That's a different foundation. I go back to the gym, and I'm on that stair climber, just feeling like this was, this just didn't feel right. I won, but in order for me to win, somebody else had to lose. And I remember looking over at the desk there, and she just, like, I'd ruined her day. <laughs> and so, Got off, told my daughter, I was like, you know what, we, we finished there. And I said, you know what, um, we need to go home. <laughs> this is a, I need to go apologize. And so I sucked it up, and I went up to the front desk, and, and I remembered the, the girl's name, and I said, hey, uh, Tina, I'm sorry. Um, I shouldn't have done what I did. I just bowled over you and, and kind of forced, forced this to happen. And so I'm sorry. Um, we're going to take off now. And uh, yeah, again, sorry. I start walking away. She goes, oh, by the way, there, there is a free promotion that you can't actually get her in. I was trying to tell you earlier, but I wasn't listening. And, uh, and then long story short, I signed up for that and for a month free. And it comes with a guest pass. No, and and so, so we did that. And we ended up working out. And she had a smile on her face. It was interesting. Her demeanor completely changed the moment I walked up to her and apologized. 
And, when, and, and then when we got this upgraded membership at the end, I came back up to the desk. I'm like, so can we go, go into the jet spa now and do the, sign up for that? <laughs> I was like, yes. All right. But, <laughs> but it's just this reminder that we have to turn things upside down. And it has to begin with us. And I, we don't always see it in ourselves. I don't see it in myself. And I thank God in moments where he maybe reveals to us, we have to take that step back. But how are people encountering something different? Because it changes the way they see it. Because I thought about, too, like, what, what would that have been like if, if that front desk worker was one of your friends and you invited her to church? And she comes into church and she goes, that guy? <laughs> <laughs> People are doing that with you, too, though, right? Yeah. We're a reflection of Jesus and his love and how do we focus on others? So how do you react and respond to these everyday situations when you're cut off, when the line's longer than you expected? when things don't go your way, when you've got trouble at home with a sibling or a spouse, when someone disagrees with you. One more verse, and then we'll close it up here. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Again, this kingdom goes even further. It's not just, you know, think of others, but think of them as better than yourself. How would you go about your day thinking of another person going, I see you as better than me. How do you treat them? How do you say, I'm interested in your, what interests you, not just for you to be interested in what is important to me. I'm focused on you and doing that. What if instead of being judgmental, we ask questions? We stayed curious. We said, hey, help me understand What's going on? Instead of being hypocritical, what if we acknowledged we don't always get it right? What if we acknowledged to somebody saying, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes being a follower of Jesus and I can't always live up to all these expectations that sometimes I, I put on others. What if we just were honest in that way and say, hey, we're just on this journey? What if instead of trying to just convert others, which sometimes I wish some of us had more of that <laughs> drive and intention, but, but having relationships just for the sake of getting to know someone, respecting them, living out your faith, having honest conversations, and not just seeing them as a project. What about instead of political side-taking, we find common ground and say, what's really driving you? Why, why are you voting that way? Or why are you leaning towards that candidate? Or what's most important to you? Help me understand what, what's there. And I bet you we'd find areas where we agree, and I'm sure we're going to find areas where we disagree. But you take that interest, instead of shouting and debating, you listen and you celebrate that, that common ground. We want people to encounter the unexpected with us. How can we be others-focused? That's refreshing in this world, in a selfie-centered world. It's so much nicer when someone says, hey, can I take a picture of you? Versus, let's take a picture of me and you. Don't stop taking selfies, they're still fun. But remember, to put the attention on someone else. I wonder if this morning, maybe you feel like you've been on the outside of the circle. Maybe you feel like, I'm not good enough to be in. And Jesus is opening the door and saying, you're blessed. You're blessed if you come with humility. You, you're blessed when you come open-handed and come and enter into this kingdom. Humble yourselves and receive what God has for you. He offers forgiveness. He offers love, unconditional. Even if you were his enemy, even if you saw him that way, he extends his hands of love, and we do that as well. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's just turn our attention to him. Heavenly Father, 
Forgive us when we see with such small and narrow eyes the grandeur of your kingdom. Father, when we play policemen, who's in, who's out, who's right, who's wrong. Father, yes, we follow your word. Yes, we desire to honor that. But Lord, help us to live outwardly with open hands, to share your love, to share your hope, to let everyone know that the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And Father, that the only barrier, the only gate is you. And our belief in you and the, the love that you share and the acceptance of your forgiveness. So Father, help us to be that in this world today. Help us find those that we cross paths with this week, that they would encounter the unexpected. That they, they would just be overwhelmed by the love, the compassion, the understanding, the listening, the invitation. Father, that people would be drawn to you through us, that you would become greater and greater, we would become less and less, and others would experience your love. May we be that community to share that love with those around us. May we build our lives on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.